So this is House of the View Voices with myself, Funk Butcher, a series of conversations with contributors of rave culture. And I'm here today with a very, very, very special guest. Um, someone who's played uh, a very important, influential part in rave culture, in some ways an invisible part in terms of his choice. He's kind of chosen to operate from the four the foreground as it were and <laughs> <laughs> and and shape um uh a a creative aspect um which he's obviously going to elaborate on um and it's it's quite refreshing because you don't really get someone who has that approach to the music landscape as it were a lot of us are driven by other means and mechanisms as life would have it but having someone there kind of guiding us um via a musical sense is what we all need if there is something <clears throat> as kano has uh eloquently put in his most recent record as a class of deja uh my next guest is the headmaster <laughs> <laughs> You like my little preamble. So I'm here today with Sting. Can I just read that there? Yeah. And um So what Funk Butcher means is not quite the headmaster, just the guy that pays all the bills. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but let me let me say good afternoon, good evening, good morning, wherever you are. I hope to find you in good spirits. My name is Sting. And I'm here to have a chat with my mate, Mr. Funk Butcher. Brilliant. So... Do I have to hold this, bro? <laughs> Do I have to hold it? Yeah. I'm going to get the level. Yeah. That's that's perfect. <laughs> Making you work already. So, I think, not to sound too cheesy, I think it's always a good place to start, is that as the, at the beginning, um, when... I mean, you use a term, rave culture, which is a term which not a lot of people would class i guess it's the, the the modern term is people call co the culture which is kind of like the raving environment djs producers music industry but it starts from rave and underground um your entry into it was it via sound system was it through the clubs no no my entry into it was as a young boy like most people listening to my parents playing music on the gram do you know what i mean and uh, not the instagram <laughs> no, I'm talking the original ground, yeah. The, you know the wooden one with the turntable okay. in it on one side and uh, uh, the FM on the other side and the LPs in the bottom. This I, I used to listen to my mum playing on that, and I used to buy a few tunes myself. Okay, wicked. And spin on that, but no, my um, my introduction, so to speak, into the industry was way, way back in the sound system days. I'm going back, oh, I better not say how many years, <laughs> but yeah, going back a good few years. Okay. Um, them days there, I used to have a sound called Sabrina, which was my mate's niece's name, Sabrina. We ended up calling the sound Sabrina, which is now company soul sound, by the way, run by Dirty then, um, and Dirty Harry. But yeah, the original, the original Sabrina sound, that was my sound, or that was my introduction into the industry, so to speak. When I say the industry, what I mean is we used to, you know, load our boxes into a van, uh, come the weekend, 
um, and go and play out. And where was you playing? What kind of what what clubs or no, there's probably not many of them about, but what locations were you playing at? Back then, we used to do things like Pembury, um, Haggerston. Um, we used to go over to South London, um, Bally High. We used to go over to North West. We used to play with Java over in North West London. Um, we used to play all about the place. And the thing is, them time there, we were still young. I was probably, what, 16, 17? Really? Yeah, the okay. sound the sound was a big sound. Mm-hmm. You know, considering the the age the ages that we were at that time. Yeah. We were definitely punching above our weight, so yeah. to speak, because you know, we were all relatively young in that scene. But we had a, a very good, credible sound, Sabrina sound. There's a lot of people that are listening to this if you're of that era, of that age, been around the block a few times then you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. But yeah, that was my introduction into the business, into the industry. And then it just went on from there. <laughs> Here I am. <laughs> we don't want to skip forward too quickly. I mean, this this is probably going to have to be covered over a series of podcasts because you've got a lot of history to cover. But so let's go from Sabrina Sound and you're a Londoner, um, born and bred. Born and bred in Hackney. Okay. Uh, and what what sounds are, are happening at that time? So at that time, you've got Sir George, um, you've got GQ, you've got, you know what, half of them I can't remember. Because bearing mm-hmm. in mind, my memory is not that great. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you had a lot of street sounds back then. Um... PC Mystery. Um, I don't want to say names just in case they weren't around at that time. Yeah. Because I can't remember specifically yeah. back to that era. But those those were a lot of the street sounds. And obviously accompanying those street sounds, you had like the big the big roots, Rutical, yeah. Shaka, Saxon, um, Jemmy. You understand? All, all of them sounds. But them sounds were more sort of roots orientated as opposed to you know, we, we was doing a sweet boy thing there. <laughs> the lovers rock and the, okay. and the rear groove and them ones, you know what I mean? Because clearly that was would have been where the money was at. The That type of sound would have been drawing in the ladies and then probably would have been the more popular sound, would it? Is it was it still that kind I, of vibe? I wouldn't of, say it was the more popular. It was just a different... It, it all come under the same umbrella, but mm-hmm. it was just a different clientele. Yeah. You know, you you had your 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 man then that was into roots, into dub, into you know a bit of stepping and 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 that flex, and then obviously you had people that just wanted to to go out and party like the modern day kids are doing now to a bit of hip hop, R and B, whatever. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's where that's the market that we were catering to, as opposed to the other one. Do you okay. Know what I mean? Um. question so in terms of when i mean sound so so in this podcast when we refer to sound we're going to refer to it's like the collective individuals kind of moving with a a designated style but i'm talking about what was the sounds that you could hear around london in the clubs at that time back then yeah 
Okay, so I mean, it, it was a little bit like today, although there wasn't as much variety. There wasn't as much variation. When I say that, what I mean is now, under the under the just the umbrella rave. Yeah, yeah. You've got garage house, um, techno, drum and bass, jungle. You know, this goes on forever. Which you've had a hand in all of them. Well, kind of. Yeah, I, I, you know, I'm Mr. Humble, so I'll Mr. Modest, yeah. But um, so back then, obviously, you had your your, your dub, you had your lovers rock, you had your reggae, mm-hmm. yeah, and you had sound systems that were catering specifically um, to that market. But additional to that, you had your soul boys. You know what I mean? You mm-hmm. had your your global village, your hundred club, your embassy. You know what I mean? Um, and back then, who was, who was playing back then? I can't remember who was playing back then. But it was a, that was a different um, genre of music. It was a different clientele. Okay. Do you know what I mean? I, I actually used to cross over. I used to do a bit of both. Do you think there's a lot of people doing both, kind of crossing over between multiple sounds? How many people do you think were, were actually raving on a Friday, Saturday night at that time? Mm. Like, was you getting packed venues or...? Yeah, there was packed venues. You know, in both, in both of them. I can only really have an opinion on those two genres. Yeah. Right? Because those were the two that I was involved in. Yeah. Yeah. Disco, soul, classic disco. Yeah. Reggae, roots, dub. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I used to go to places like Phoebe's, for argument's sake say Shaka used to play at Phoebe's yeah I used to go chicken when I was really really small I used to go chicken at Amherst Road mm-hmm. um, you know and those places were busy you know there was lots of black folk out and about on a weekend those places were busy yeah but by the same token as I said I used to go hungry club I used to go crackers on a Sunday afternoon you understand what I'm saying and that was more soul orientated and that was also busy but the only difference was you probably had more of a, a cosmopolitan mix okay. of people in that soul environment than you did the other. Do you know what I mean? But they were both busy. People were were out in numbers as they are today. Do you know what I mean? So how do we get to a stage now where electronic music, namely house, um, hits the UK? Where, where are you when that happens? Is it is it acid that hits here first? For me, okay, so I'm just giving you my perspective. Lots of people have taken lots of different journeys to get to where they are. Now, Mm -hmm. I can only tell you about my journey, right? My journey started, as I said, I was was in the sound system thing. I was doing that week in, week out. I was still relatively young, yeah? And I think... Me and my pal decided to go try something different. And I think the first rave party that I went to was Paul Ibiza. And it was Ibiza in King's Cross. Yeah, that was in a warehouse. And I can remember to this day, yeah, I I can't remember what age I was. I was still relatively young. Um, But I can remember getting there. I remember having to jump over 
um, like an eight foot Harris fence to get into the event. Now you gotta remember, for me, now I don't even feel like I'm going to a rave. I feel like I'm, I'm out with my boy. Um, we're, we're fucking about, do you know what I mean? <laughs> so we jump over this fence and we get into this warehouse. Now bearing in mind, I'd heard about raves, acid house, um, but never actually been to one. So this was my first one. Okay. Yeah. And it took about 10 seconds for me to realize, yep, this is me. Wow. Yeah. Literally. It took about 10 seconds because you, you know, back in the day it was raw. I don't know if anybody's been to any squat parties lately, but I, I would, I would say that's the closest you'd get to warehouse parties back in the day. Not dissimilar. Yeah. Very raw, you know, literally like one laser or a couple of lasers. Yeah. Some strobes, smoke machine. Yeah. And just people expressing themselves um, in a way that just was not happening in clubs. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, you know, obviously the chemicals had a lot to do with that. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Um, and, you know, once you got into an event, there was no authority as such. You know, nobody telling you what to do, where to go, where to sit, where, where to, you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. So it was a real freedom of expression for me. And it was, it was, it was just an eye opener. It was like, right, wow, this is going on. I'm, I'm over there. No, I want to be over here. Yeah. You understand? This, this is where I want to be. That added to the fact that the sound, the music back then was, again, it, it, it was transformative. It, it was eye-opening because in that environment, listen to a big sound system playing at 130 BPM, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it, it was just, yeah, it, right, that's it. Okay. So how many people do you think had that progressive look of this new sound coming in and what it was going to do? Or do you think you've just naturally had that? Because you kind of take that, I guess it's like an A and R perspective. You've carried that through um, your 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 club owner experiences, your radio experiences of being ahead of the curve. Even from that age, you, you within those ten seconds, you said you knew that this was going to be big. Yeah, but but did other did other friends from your community know that this would be big also? Well, to be honest with you, the, the, the people that I used to move with, mm -hmm. right, were still in the sound system, rear groove, reggae, lovers, rock. And, you know, to them, as to a lot of people back then, when you hear about these raves and all this fast music and chemically driven and, you know what I mean, it, it was a little bit, it, it was a little bit like, yeah, these people are right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Now, what am I doing there? You understand what I'm saying? Yeah. 
I don't think. Well, maybe there were people at the time that knew and realized that you know this this was the future. But I don't think anybody at that time saw the the rave scene expanding in the way that it has to the level that it has mm-hmm. back then. I don't think anybody saw that. Okay. Um, so to answer your question, for me, it wasn't even about the business or the financial side of the thing. It was just, this is good. This is this is great. This is where I want to be. Mm. Do you understand what I'm saying? I didn't have my business head on because it stimulated me that much. I just wanted to be in that environment. As a consumer? As a consumer. Wicked. Mm. So what's the, what's the timeline of events? Because we've got Acid House and then we kind of get to jungle i mean i'm i'm not any expert on jungle and I, i've always wanted to kind of have a real breakdown of just how it was shaped and you've played in a very important part because you've had an event called telepathy uh-huh. and that shapes the memories of so many jungle and drummer based fans over the years uh-huh. and i think is it is it this year that's going to be the anniversary Next year. Next, Next year, year will be the 30th year anniversary okay. of telepathy. Although saying that, I've not been mad busy out there, but 30 years is 30 years. Yeah. And we have to represent. Um, for me, you got to remember, I started back with my own event at my own nightclub, Tara's Marshgate Lane, back in 1990. Yeah. Um, I started with my partner back then, Billy Manuel, yeah, which is, I don't know if you know Phil Eastman, mm-hmm. Jungle Fever, mm-hmm. that's his dad. So me and him were partners in that first nightclub back in 1990, yeah, and, uh, sorry cousin, I just uh, lost my train of thought there, as I constantly do <laughs> <laughs> so you're so, we're yeah, here that, at Marshgate that, Lane yeah yeah we're, we're in Marshgate Lane um, the scene is pretty much acid house yeah yeah so you've got that's the dominant underground sound at the moment that's pretty much the only sound oh really at the moment okay yeah, yeah because you ain't got all these derivatives not that i know of anyway yeah you've got rape acid mm-hmm. house and that's it mm-hmm. there's no trance there's no techno there's no um there's nothing yeah. other than acid house okay as far as i know i could be wrong mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not aware of anything else that was taking place at that time mm-hmm. yeah to be fair acid house was good. It was great, but it was a little bit noisy. Mm. Yeah. Did it? Do you think it started off like that, or as as time progressed, it felt like the the musicality of it was was waning? Um, you know, I think I spoke to you the other day, and I said to you one of one of the tunes, right, that really kind of unlocked the door for me was Voodoo Ray, yeah? I'm sure if most people think back to a rave, to to a specific time and place, hearing a specific tune, 
yeah, you could actually go like, yeah, name that tune. It was that tune. And for me, it was Voodoo Ray, right? Um, but the problem was even, you know, back then for me, there wasn't enough consistency in the music. Because one minute you'd be listening to Voodoo Ray and, you know what I mean, nice rolling B line, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? Bit of, bit of conga natty going on, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And then the next minute, you'd be like, wah, 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 wah. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, <laughs> although the scene was great, yeah, the music was inconsistent. It's interesting because I'm obviously my career comes towards the the, the tail end of of things, and that seems to be a running theme of the the level of quality control in the scene is the thing that more often than not kills the scene from Ooh. within yeah definitely definitely but um because it was still relatively new you know the the meeting on the m25 and going to dance in some field somewhere was what 87 88 i'm talking 90 so the music hadn't really um established itself like that you understand what i'm saying yeah so for me, it was like, yeah, one minute I'm listening to a nice rolling beeline and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm gone. And then another minute, I'm like, this is, this, this, this is noise, man. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? But the environment, the, the, the newness, the freshness of it all, all the, the, the people, the, the atmosphere, you could live with it. You could work with it. You understand mm. what I'm saying? It was worth being there just for, for those, moments of yeah voodoo ray yeah do you understand what i'm saying yeah. so i've got my own nightclub i've got my own event telepathy and i want to listen to voodoo ray all night i don't want anything <laughs> else <laughs> yeah <laughs> and back then there were guys that were playing beeline okay do you know what i mean without too much Noise, you know the noise yeah, I'm talking yeah, about, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, and I'm talking like the the Groove Riders, the Rob Elliotts, the um, I don't know if you remember Mr. C from the Shaman, um, the Rat Packs, Jumping Some Jack Frost. Legends. Yeah, okay. You know, these guys were playing. You know, the Doc Scott, Rhythm Doctor. Mm. Rhythm Doctor used to have Groove Records in Greek Street, I, I think it was. Um, you know, there were there were guys that were playing what I wanted to hear and they were more consistent. Mm. So it was definitely, that. they were all schools of, the school of a specific style of DJing the record. Yes. Okay. Yeah, you'd have to say that. Do you know what I mean? Because anybody can make the distinction between that sounds noisy. Yeah. It might It might be uplifting. It might be, um you know loud and bright but it's it's noisy yeah anybody can make that distinction you know and there were djs that were making that distinction mm. so i decided that i was just going to book the djs that were making the distinction and then go play voodoo right all night mm -hmm. yeah and those are the guys that i was booking back then do you know what i mean it's mad because i've never looked at it that there's the DJing aspect of they're putting records together to form a set and then 
it's almost like you're a tastemaker of sorts because you're putting those DJs together to make it all make sense and have a, a night that makes sense because you specifically were seeking out DJs that had that could complement each other. Thousand percent. Thousand percent. And I think more to the point, um, DJs back then, even if I made a mistake and booked you and that wasn't necessarily the way that you would play, if you're coming to play for me, you would play that way because you know that's what I want. Gotcha. You understand what I'm saying? And that's predominantly what the people that come into that event want. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, in that respect, it was it was it was just like common sense for me, really. Um, you know, I don't want to hear noise all night. <laughs> you understand? I don't. Yeah. So, not too long after that, I don't know where the expression or where the term came from. Yeah, but that style of music all of a sudden fell into this category of jungle. Mm. Yeah. And you had various raves popping up and promoting themselves as jungle raves. No deviation, no noise. Yeah. Just guys that play this particular style of music, rolling bass line. Yeah. Um and that that is is that was basically jungle. So you had the likes of Roast, you had the likes of Desert Storm, you had the likes of VIP came a little bit later. But you know, you had you had people that were like, right, okay, this is jungle. Yeah? Moving away from the noise. Mm-hmm. Now don't get me wrong, the the experience or my conclusion in relation to that is based solely on my own experience. Right? That's you know, for somebody else somewhere else they might see it differently of course yeah but that's how i see it yeah yeah so i can only talk from my experience yeah do you know what i mean um and yeah for me that's really how jungle come about so we're at marshgate lane um at your club telepathy is there do the consumers from their perception are they going to telepathy because it is a jungle rave or it's not termed that yet uh no okay it's not term jungle yet what what are they calling it is it uh it's still acid house stroke drum and bass interesting yeah it's still acid house stroke drum and bass but marshgate lane in itself was very very unique um because you've got to remember marshgate lane is still kind of very early in the game yeah and for those of you that don't know Marshgate Lane, just to give you a little insight, it's it was a massive warehouse. Um, it was it started about a thousand people strong, and then was extended, um, and effectively became twice the size. So it was it was almost two thousand people strong. Yeah, and you got to remember, we were getting two thousand people on a Friday, two thousand people on a Saturday. Yeah. Wow. We was literally pulling people out of central London and they were coming into East London on a Friday night, Saturday night, you know. Um, 
So musically, we are still kind of acid house, stroke, drum and bass. But as I said, I want a little bit more consistency. Mm -hmm. I want, um, you know, I want to hear rolling B line. I want to hear um, a little bit more sort of conganati as opposed to wah, wah, wah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you know, I, I'm booking DJs that reflect that basically. Yeah. Um, and then, as I say, shortly after that, we come out with the term jungle, you know, and other organizations start um, talking about jungle. This is jungle, um, and that's that's really where the where the term comes from. It's a reflection of the type of music, obviously, that was being played at the time. But um, it's a bloody good thing they come out with the term, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Saying that, don't get me wrong, I mean, there's still lots of other musics that probably don't fall into that category, jungle. But for me, you know, the term jungle just means rolling beeline. Okay. That's, that's what jungle is to me. Yeah. You know, I can remember Baby D, Let Me Be Your Fantasy. Yeah. Right? You wouldn't class that as jungle. No. Baby D, uplifting tune. Happy to hear that in any rave at any time. Um, but? No, no, but I'm just okay. saying the term jungle is a yeah. little bit misleading, more especially when you relate it to that period of time, because, you know, although people were playing jungle, you know, there were other things that you would not categorize as jungle that were being played as well. I think that's really important because I think a lot of us from a certain generation, that's how we categorize our music history. Like there was garage there was drum and bass, there was jungle, there, and it wasn't like that. Just like there was a crossover from acid house to drum and bass, you know, there's always that gray area, yeah? In exactly the same way for me, I must emphasize for me, there was a gray area, there was that crossover um, from, you know, acid house, drum and bass to jungle, you know what I mean? So. You know, it, it wasn't just like stop, start, stop, start. Do you know what I mean? There was a lot of grey in between. Okay. So can can we stay on telepathy for a little bit? Because telepathy, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was wondering what you did. Telepathy, buckle up, get set. Once again, moving fast like a jet. You're not here, nothing yet. Sorry, you, you're not, <laughs> you know, I forgot to mention, I, back in the day when yeah. I was doing the sound system thing, yeah. I was a wannabe MC. No way. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wasn't a wannabe MC, I was the MC, but back then... What was your MC name? Sting. Okay. But back then... Um, you know when you're not taking things seriously. Yeah. Right? You're just you know, you're in the moment. Yeah, I'm the MC, why not? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I might as well be the MC. Nobody else is I'm the I'm the MC, you know what I mean? And it wasn't so So no one else put their hat in the ring for that. Nah, okay. it wasn't it wasn't even planned and it wasn't like um it wasn't a career choice. Mm. 
Um, it wasn't even like I was sitting at home writing lyrics or, you know, there was any pre-planning on my part. You know what I'm saying? I just used to turn up and talk rubbish on the mic. Yeah. You understand? And just try and get it to rhyme sort of thing. I think everyone went through that phase. I mean, I, I myself, I used to... <laughs> It's all coming out that, yeah. No. Yeah, I, I tried my hand at, at MC. Obviously, I didn't make it onto Deja as an MC. I made it on as a... Oh, but yeah, shit. it was because of what I was hearing on Deja at the time. I was like, yeah, I think I could do that. Okay, um, okay. Definitely a bedroom MC. Yeah, no, I was... Um, I don't... I think although I wasn't, uh, uh, you know, a career choice MC, mm. what I did have was I had confidence. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And back then, that's all you really needed was a bit of confidence and... And charisma. Yeah, a little bit of charisma, I suppose, and a loud voice. Okay. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, more especially back in the telepathy days, because if I go back to Marshgate Lane, yeah, I used to MC at Marshgate Lane. Uh, at, the, at your telepathy waves? At my telepathy events. Because remember, I used to do all the ads for telepathy. Or I do all the ads yeah. for telepathy and obviously people listening to this podcast can recognize the voice because mm. i think the first time i met you i, I was like this voice is it's quite of, iconic a lot of people say that to me but um by the same token a lot of people say to me what you used to do all the ads for telepathy like <laughs> hey hey did yeah but you, the difference being i would plan an ad i would sit down and write an, a script for an ad i would practice that ad mm -hmm. and then i would what <laughs> oh right yeah so you know <laughs> but even then for me, it was like, it just served the purpose. I need to do a telepathy ad. Yeah. I'd do the ad. Yeah. It would be wicked, even if I do say so myself. <laughs> yeah. Because that's what used to get people to my events. I'm yeah. not going to lie. I know that. One thousand percent. Um, but I used to put a lot of time, effort and energy into those ads. Although, you know, when you, when you, when you listen to the ad, it all sounds all so natural, man. <laughs> you know what I mean? But no, I used to put a lot of time, effort and energy into the ads. Okay. And people used to listen to the ads and go, yeah, that sounds different. Like this guy's coming from, 
from where I'm coming from. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Okay. I, I can relate to mm. that shit. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, people would come to the event on the strength of that. Um, but the point I was making is, even at that point, I still had no desire mm. to be a career MC. Do you know what I mean? Maybe I should have, because I think I would have been a bloody good MC. Yeah. But for me, it just served the purpose of do the ad. And by the time the ad was two, three weeks old, I'd have forgotten about it and moved on to the next one. Okay. Do you know what I mean? But, uh, yeah. What's the thinking behind the name Telepathy? Because you've got uh, very strong imagery with all of your raves as well. And you don't do things by halves because I know that there's a lot of thought and... and um, and a kind of like a, a deliberate purpose with each and every one of your um, visual aspects of your rave. Mm. You're trying to convey very strong messages. Yeah. I think, you know, I could make up a whole heap story and tell you now, right? But the truth is, back then there was... There was freedom, there was labyrinth, you know, there was one or two other events. and you Freedom and labyrinth are names of events? Yeah. Okay. So you had to, you had to have um, a rave name that was, you know, conducive to, to rave. Gotcha. Yeah? And you have to remember that back then I was still... In the grand scheme of things, I was still quite young. I was, what, 20, 24, 25? Mm. Was it 24, 25? Or am I talking rubbish? No, I had my first nightclub when I was 20. Hold on, let me calculate this. Excuse me? Hold on, hold on. You had your think. first uh, nightclub. This thing, it doesn't matter anywhere in the sorry, 20s. Having a nightclub in your 20s is still crazy to us. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. People couldn't believe when they used to come Marshgate Lane. What, that little black guy over there? He owns this place. Are you for real? <laughs> <laughs> I used to find it quite amusing. I used to, in fact, right throughout my career, to yeah. be honest with you, because remember, I've had five nightclubs, five or six nightclubs over the years. Which are? Consistently. Let's go through them. So we've had... Um, a good your memory. Tara's, Telepathy, Marshgate Lane. Yeah. Uh, we went from Tara's, Marshgate Lane to clubs that I actually owned, I'm yep. talking about, yeah? I've done a shit shed load of events in other places. But Tara's, Marshgate Lane. Yeah. Uh, I had, uh, where did I go after that? Stratford Rex. Stratford Rex. I spent a lot of money at the Stratford Rex, ended up giving it away. But that's another story for another day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Can I help you with one? EQ? Uh, EQ. Okay, that's free. Yeah, EQ. Uh, what used to be TKO in Shoreditch, which is now Catch. Okay, yeah. 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 I used to have that. Uh, I used to have... Where else have I been from there? Obviously, I've got this one here. Mm hmm uh, the, Windrush, the infamous Windrush, formerly Chemos. Mm -hmm. um, I used to have what was that club I had in Milton Keynes? What was it called again? Which one? Yeah, that was TK. I can't remember the. There was another 
club that I had in Milton Keynes. It yeah. was Club Zen. Zen. Zen, okay. Yeah, in Bletchley, Milton Keynes. How many is that? So you've had five in London and one outside London as well. Yeah, and I used to have a stairs in Whitechapel. Wow. The old stairs, which is right next door to the Shinley restaurant, which is actually now the Shinley restaurant. Yeah. But I used to find Marshgate Lane quite amusing because I was a young black guy from Hackney with a 2000 capacity nightclub and people were just like, nah, <laughs> that, that didn't make sense. But it made complete sense to me. Smashing stereotypes like from the Smashing from the get go. Because yeah, obviously man. Yeah. That's that's very interesting and empowering to hear because I think it's it's important that these kind of messages are heard because up until this point in time, this that doesn't even seem like a possibility. And you've got to remember we're talking about nineteen ninety. Yeah. Okay, you got a lot of young black entrepreneurs. I say a lot, not relative to, you know, uh, um, proportionately uh, our minority makeup in today's society. Yeah, we could do with a lot more, mm -hmm. but we have black entrepreneurs um, now. But back then, that was like, there was very, very few and Some far of, between. Yeah. You know, never mind uh, black guys, young black guys, mm -hmm. yeah, um, with their own nightclubs. So I was a little bit of an anomaly, mm -hmm. I think it would be fair to say. But just talking to the younger generation that may be listening to this podcast, yeah? My philosophy is very simple, yeah? If you want something, yeah, go and get it. <laughs> yeah, it ain't no more complicated than that because when you tell yourself that that's unattainable, it, it's unattainable. You're not going to get it. Yeah. When you tell yourself, I can get that and I'm going to have that, yeah? You know, and you're prepared to put the time, effort and energy into getting it, you'll get it. You know, that's how the universe works. Yeah. Yeah? Speaking of which, so the name telepathy. I was a young black guy. If I'm really honest, I hadn't found myself, more especially spiritually. Mm. You know, you get to a certain age mm -hmm. in life mm -hmm. and then you start questioning things, some earlier than others. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But right throughout, I've always kind of, you know, that, 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 that question. Do you, do you always think that you've been, had a, a, a dare I say, anti-establishment or anti-status quo approach? You've, you challenge the norms do you feel you're, that's always been central to who you are as a person i don't i don't i wouldn't say i challenge the norm but what i don't do is i don't compromise yeah and in not compromising if something is in front of me and it's in my way Yes, I'm going to challenge it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm not necessarily out there trying to, um, you know, anti-establishment or, you know what I mean, 
reinvent society. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It is what it is. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I'm just doing me. You know, and if in doing me, I feel like, you know, that's not right, then, yeah, I'm, I'm going to fight that down all day long. Do you know what I mean? But I'm talking about the telepathy thing there, because you asked me a very relevant question. We go through this process where we want to discover ourselves. Yeah. yeah? Um, that, that question, why are we here? Do you yeah. know what I mean? That was... Um, Central to what you were trying to find out. To what, to what? To my state of mind at the time. Okay. Yeah. And the thing is, if you're in a rave, right? I mean, back then, more especially, it was almost like, you don't know me. I don't know you. We've never met before. Yeah. But just being in this space and time, yeah, we're like-minded. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. Um, You could be black, white, blue, green from wherever, yeah? At that particular time and moment, as we share this space, yeah, and we're hearing this sound, it's almost like we're communicating telepathically. Wow, that's incredible. Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. I know it's kind of deep. No, 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 this is it's perfect. That's where yeah. I was in my thought process at that age. I'm still kind of there now, to be fair, but just, <laughs> dare I say, a little bit more advanced. But, yeah. you know, that's where the name telepathy come from. And the imagery. There's the a strong, imagery. Yeah, there's a strong imagery. It's probably the strongest I've seen amongst any of the jungle flyers. When you kind of look back, it's, it's consistent. It's, it's, it's quite futuristic in some aspects as well. Yeah, I think it's kind of timeless in that respect. Um, but the imagery, I'll be honest with you, I, I got the imagery from something I saw in a magazine um, back in 1990. I, I just saw it in a magazine and thought, mm-hmm. yeah, telepathy makes sense. Do you know what I mean? Um, there weren't no deep thought process behind the imagery. It just worked for what it was I was trying to do. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, you got to remember, rave, you know, <laughs> rave is fundamental or has played a fundamental part in the development of modern day society. Because back then, there was still... Uh, there was still uh, uh, a lot of ignorance. Um, you know, there was there was still a lot of negativity. Yeah. You know what I mean? You know, ignorance is born out of, I don't know you and you don't know me and we don't share anything in common. Yeah? And what Rave did, Rave 
as I said, it brought different people from different parts of society, different cultures, different everything. It brought people together in a space where everybody just got on the same page. Mm. Yeah, now don't get me wrong, people will say, well, you know, music's been doing that forever, right? But I'm talking about from my environment, from my urban working class environment, yeah? That was, for me, the first time that I've I'd ever really experienced that. Yeah, I was in a sound system prior to that, but that was pretty much black folk mixing with black folk. Yeah, the soul scene was going on, and that was kind of cosmopolitan, but it was not nearly as deep. I don't know if it's because it wasn't chemically driven, right? <laughs> but it wasn't nearly as deep mm. as the rave scene. Do you know what I mean? When you when you got some weird-looking white guy from Oxford come put his arms around you and say, oh, "I love you, man." Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Music can do that. Only music can do that. You know, and 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 it really brought different cultures, different people. It it brought people together. So now we've got something in common. So now when I see you on the road, I don't have to be ignorant mm. towards you because I don't know you. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? And that, for me, played a very, very important part in the development of modern day society, the rave culture. Right? Again, I'm only talking from my perspective. I'm sure there are other people out there that have ever had other experiences or or seen things progress in a different way. But for me, that's, you know, very important. I think that's, yeah, I think that's probably why it was like, this is like a bucket list moment, even having this conversation with you, because I've known you well over 10 years Mm. now. And um, personally, and just hearing the conversations we've had over the years kind of thing, and knowing how your, your brain processes the art form that you're dealing with it isn't like anyone that i've ever met in the industry that i've worked in over the time so it's very important to kind of have that level of um uh uh philosophy Mm. because i think that's that's what's lacking is the philosophy has been replaced by the 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 consumerism the capitalism the, the the drive and the chase for money above all else Mm. Rather, and the art form is suffering. So, yeah, but I mean, you know, that's probably something that we will talk about going forward. But yeah. just to touch on that, you know, for me, the problem with the rave scene today is the fact that it has become so corporate now. Yeah. It's like all the personality as has disappeared. Mm. Do you understand what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. You know. S- Sanitised, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's so, <sighs> it's very, it's safe. It's, yeah. It, it doesn't it, take it, risks. It's so it's, preconceived. It's yeah. so, you know, hygienically, like, squeaky, like, <laughs> 
clean. It's like all the personalities yeah. gonna have it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, but as I said, that's another story for another day. We won't go into that now because I've got I've got really deep feelings and frustrations about the way that the rave scene has developed yeah. and has become what it is today. Mm-hmm. But I'll share that with you another time. Of course. Can we touch on, I know you've got to go, um, but can we touch on radio? Um, you're the man behind Deja. That's why I, I kind of alluded at the the intro that if... Kano's class of Deja, which many, many, many of us are students of, are alumni of, then you're the, would you call it the headmaster? The one who pays the bills. The one who pays the bills, man. <laughs> the one who pays the bills and gets no love. You well, know, I, go, I, I need to say... I need we're to, about to change that. I need to push yeah. this out there. It's all promoters out there. You see, as a promoter, a promoter, a promoter don't get no love, you know. Mm. A promoter gets zero love. You know what I mean? Um, because the promoter, the perception of the promoter is the is the greedy guy sitting in the back room counting the money. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? You know, but I know from my own experience to be a successful promoter out there, you've got to have a love of music. And as I'm saying, you have to love the music. And this is why I get so upset with the corporates because the corporates don't know one fucking thing about the music. Mm-hmm. You know, they just see a brand develop that brand, market that brand, and people buy into it. You know what I mean? But there there's there's fuck all to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Isn't you know but anyway, I don't want to rent. Sorry go. On. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we get to Deja. Yeah. What on the earth made you want to kind of increase your load increase your workload by now moving from promotions and then going into to radio yeah and at the time this is completely uncharted territory right so you got to remember there's a long journey between you know we we've missed a lot of stuff yeah because obviously if i had to tell you every last technicality and every last detail related to my journey we'd still be on oh i was born in 19 blah 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 you understand but there's, you know, there's quite a lot between telepathy and radio. But for me, it was, I was doing events, yeah, um, and I was paying for radio advertising. Okay. Yeah. Um, and you have to remember, back then, radio pirate radio was social media do you understand what i'm saying you know pirate radio was was social instagram um twitter um linkedin it it, you know i mean if you wanted to know what was going on where it was going on you listen to pirate radio yeah back then you had stations like weekend rush Defected, um, eruption. Uh, actually, no. Weekend Rush comes slightly later. Weekend Rush was actually quite quite a big station on the FM back in the day. But Weekend Rush went on what was the old Fantasy um, FM frequency, and Fantasy 
was the undisputed, absolute king of pirate radio back then. Although saying that you did have, um, uh, what's it called? What's that station? Uh, see, you can tell I'm getting old, isn't it? I can't remember shit. And I, and I would love to help you out, but I wasn't there. So. <laughs> <laughs> What's that one that's just come back on recently? Just come back on, man. Mm. Uh, it'll come back to me. Anyway, it will come back yeah. to me. So I'm paying for advertising on radio. And radio is king. Yeah. Now you gotta remember, I, I've done a whole trailer load of events between Marshgate Lane and radio. Do you know what I mean? Uh, and all the time, I'm paying, I'm paying, I'm paying. So for me, it was natural progression really it was just sensible to have your own radio station bearing in mind um back then fm radio it wasn't like fm radio now most radio stations don't necessarily specialize in a genre of music although there are one or two but most radio space stations that back then specialized in a genre of music. Okay. Deja Vu at the time specialised in garage. Interesting. Yeah. Um, you know what? I did talking to, and I still can't remember the name of that bloody station. It's going to come back to me in a second. So, Deja Vu specialised in garage. Garage was starting to make some noise back then. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Now I've got my business head on now. Yeah. And I'm going, right, I'm having a great run with Jungle Drum and Bass, but I really would like to capitalize on this whole garage thing that's coming out. But additionally, you know, I can minimize what I'm spending gotcha. on advertising yep. with radio by owning my radio, own radio station. Um and it just so happened, I think I was at the Stratford Rex then. I just um, acquired the Rex. And I'd known Laura, Laura and Jimmy. I'd known them for quite some time prior to that because obviously I was advertising with that station, my telepathy events. Um, and yeah, I, I had a conversation with Laura. She was like, yeah. Ideally looking for a new partner. Um, I think you're the man. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, yeah. What? Well, come on. Let's do this. Because, <laughs> you know, it makes perfect sense yeah. to me. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And not only that, I, I really like Laura. Not, not in that way, but, you know, she's a really, really nice girl. So, yeah, I bought into the station and... Um, the rest is history, as they say. History? No, it's, it's, it's more than that. It's, it's <laughs> epic. The kind of names that have passed through the, the doors, the, the airwaves of Deja under your, under your leadership. And I think that's part of the reason Deja was the powerhouse name it was, because 
you were able to kind of spot the music trends just as they were about to happen because you had your ear to the ground. Yeah, you got to have your ear to the ground in the industry. You see, you got to remember, Boche, a lot, a lot of people in this business, in this industry, right? They jump in, they jump out, right? It's not a bad thing. You know, we've all got to eat, isn't it? You know, a lot of people have got a nine to five, right? So they've got a steady income coming in. You know, and music is something that they aspire to want to do be it full-time or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Me, I had no choice. I was just about music. All day, every day, music. That's how I paid my bills. That's how I feed my kids. That's how I, you know what I mean? That's how I live. That's how I send my kids to school. That's, you know what I mean? So for me, it wasn't just about yeah. um, <laughs> here today, gone tomorrow. Yes, yeah, so I, I I had to eat, sleep, breathe, shit, rate, uh, music, promotions, um, you know, and everything that come under that that umbrella. So this thing is full time for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've I've got to, you know, I've got to be making sensible moves that are effectively gonna be successful and get me paid. Mm -hmm. Cut a long story short. Do you know what I mean? So when Deja materialized and became, you know, something that was there to be done, it, it, it wasn't even like, I didn't even blink. Yeah, I'm in. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, so far as the musical trends were concerned, although my first love is drum and bass, yeah? Mm -hmm. From a business perspective, yeah? You, you know, sometimes you've got to diversify into other stuff. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And I could see the wave of Garage. I could see it coming. Do you know what I mean? Um, and back then, Deja, even before I got involved, was a credible station. Because you've got to remember, you didn't have all station like every two hertz up the FM band another station there was a few stations around and of that handful of stations there was there was you know a couple of good ones yeah and Deja was one of the good ones mm -hmm. so I was quite fortunate in that respect to to get involved when I did but I think I can say you know in this industry it's almost like success breeds success mm -hmm. yeah so I think where I had a successful rave promotion anyway, yeah, it wasn't hard to convert that success into the radio. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Because, you know, when you're out there in the industry doing your thing noticeably, people will give you that little bit of credibility and you know what I mean they'll jump on your wagon so did you have to do much kind of shifting of the 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 pre-existing framework of DJs on Deja when you when you got there did you feel like not really okay you was you was happy no. with the sound that was that was already no. there the, 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 it, it was pretty pretty much 
you know, it was pretty all together back then. I mean, mm. the guys that were on the radio back then, you know, people like, I don't know if you know, Mike Lloyd, um, Pied Piper, um, P Money, um, 79, DJ Ewart, um, you know, and all of these guys were credible guys. Do you know what I mean? And still are. Yeah. Within that genre of music. And they were already there when I got there. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have to do that much. Do you know what I mean? What what I what I had to do with Deja when I initially got there was try to um try to implement a slightly more business model. Do you know what I mean? Okay. Something that was a little bit more um, strategized, the blueprint. Do you know what I mean? Because for me, it was a business. And any business that I get involved in, it has to be done properly. Mm. Do you know what I mean? I'm not, um, I'm not getting into anything, you know, unless I A, am prepared to put the time, effort, and energy into it. And... You know, the people that are involved in it are prepared to do the same. Do you know what I mean? And I, as I say, I was fortunate because Laura was on point. A lot of the DJs that were there were on point. They were just very disjointed. Okay. You know what I mean? And they just needed that direction. Yeah. Um, just to, to push on. I know we're talking about pirate radio and it's hard to perceive pirate radio um, from a, you know real business point of view because pirate radio could be here today gone tomorrow but yeah. i didn't see it like that i just saw it as you know what this is a business opportunity it needs to be done properly yeah and i think it's important for the listeners of the podcast um new and old who have no awareness of the pirate radio structure because there's a lot of myths about pirate radio being rough around the edges it's just a group of people on the station playing music with no organization no structure and you talking in a kind of almost uh, language which a corporate business sense would have is hmm. it's probably quite alarming to some people that there was this this level of organization in a music capacity that that was coming organically yeah but i mean you know the way i odds it is this right because people people were shocked that we had radio meetings People were shocked, like, yeah, uh, things like that. Saying, <laughs> you know, but uh, let's apply that to Marshgate Lane, right? Marshgate Lane was a warehouse that, as far as anybody was concerned, was an illegal rave taking place in East London. Okay. Yeah? Mm -hmm. No, 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 no. <laughs> Marshgate Lane was a private member's club yeah when i invested my money i invested my money as a long-term venture yeah um and a proper business mm -hmm. right now that blueprint that blueprint for marshgate lane now i reflect was actually one of the first legal warehouse raves yeah to 
um, be consistent and have any kind of longevity. And in actual fact, Marshgate Lane laid the blueprint for Ministry of Sound. Because it was only after Marshgate Lane closed that Ministry of Sound, using the same blueprint, started. Wow. Yeah? You remember, B, it was like two, two and a half yeah. thousand people there yeah. every, every weekend. Do you know what I mean? In yeah. fact, what I didn't do was I didn't apply, yeah, that, that business structure mm-hmm. to Marshgate Lane that I should have because then I would have kept it and it'd still be there. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So going back to your original question, when I took over the radio, radio was a little bit like Marshgate Lane. Okay. Yeah, it was it was rave, it was is it here? Is it miss? Is it here today? Is it gone to No, no, no. <laughs> I've, I've invested my money, I've invested my time, I've invested my effort and energy. This thing has to work. So as soon as I got there and I got my legs under the table, I started to implement standard business practice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean? You know, and yeah, it was very disjointed. It was very messy. It was very kind of, oh, this is a giggle, isn't it? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Let's go up there and do a few lines, drink some beer and play some music. No, 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 mm. no, no. I changed all of that. And when I, when I got there, you know, simple things like, you got a table over there that's got two decks and a mixer on it, yeah? No, I built a proper DJ and console. It was one the first pirate radio station to do that. So when people came in there and they saw what was a pirate illegal pirate radio station, but hold on, this setup it looks way too clean and professional mm-hmm. to be do you know what I mean? Any kind of joke thing. This this is this is proper business. First mate. impressions count. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, and I and I spent my money and I did that, mm-hmm. and it, you know, people got it straight away. They was on it. But from even from applying your business head, was it difficult now having to engage with, um, I guess, an audience of staff who have aspirations, expectations, egos, as it were? Mm. That is a bit different. Maybe I, I don't know. Is that different from the the club side of your business where? I guess you are dealing with staff, but the staff are the DJs, the lineup, and they're there to do a kind of uh, a job that they already know how to do just to entertain the crowd. And, but I guess you have to carry um, the DJs coming onto your radio station from point A, where they are currently in their career, to point Z, where they want to be. Do you, do you sometimes feel like you have to do that? or? Um, I'm not sure that I fully understand the question, but what I would say to you is the mindset of the DJs when I got to Deja was not the same mindset once I'd actually got my feet under the table. You know, um, everybody realised, like, this is no longer... Um, you know, a little couple of social hours on the radio 
Um, and then if we're really lucky, we might get a few bookings out of it. Nah, mm-hmm. that mindset had to change. Um, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. It? Yeah, because I feel like when I got in Deja, um, over 10 years ago now, really? and yeah, yeah, before my son was born. Why does it feel longer? Yeah. <laughs> so Yeah. It's, it's longer than that, but like between 10, 15 years. It must be longer than that because I've been here 12 years, 13 years. Okay, yeah. All right. It's a bit longer than that. So when I arrived, I remember I started off and I went to the Deja meeting and any listeners that would know the the kind of the introduction process to Deja at the time is you had to attend a meeting and hand in your mix CD to Sting to kind of see if it was like a vetting process. It was This was... This is street level X Factor. <laughs> and Sting was our cyber cow and like either you get the golden farm, you get a show or, or it don't happen. So um I was fortunate enough to to get a show, but I think what I'm I'm getting at is what you just alluded to, because of the weight and the esteem of the the, the name behind Deja, every one who I was on the station with, we all took it that serious, that much more serious because we knew if we played our cars right, this could this could change us, it could, this could propel us forward. And there was countless um, examples of people on the station who were living that dream of playing music and getting paid for it, which is, it was insane at the time. Mm. So... Um, yeah. But, you know... <sighs> This is what I, I, I used to actually say in the meetings, right? Um, I used to ask people, like, why do you play music? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Is it just a social activity for you? Is it a, a form of expression? Um, is it just a pleasant way for you to kill a couple of hours? Um, you know, a hobby, something to do, source the music, come up to the radio and play? Or are you seriously trying to, you know, grind out a career as a DJ? And, you know, I used to ask DJs, like, um, what, what, what is it about for you? Mm-hmm. You know, and if you turned around and said to me, oh, it's just a social thing. You're out. Yeah. What are you saying? Uh, Simon Cowell, you're out. <laughs> you're gone. <laughs> That's Alan, Alan Sugar in it. You're fired. <laughs> you're fired. You're gone. Yeah. Because yeah. I didn't have time for that. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm saying? The, the, and the, I guess it will compromise the, the sound of the station. Exactly. You yeah. know what I mean? You've got to come up there with serious intent. Otherwise you got no business being there mm. because I'm serious. Yeah. Do you understand what I'm mm-hmm. saying about what I'm doing? And I'm, I'm, I'm investing my time, effort, energy and money and more especially money because you've got to remember, rigs were not cheap. You're putting a rig on a roof, it's costing you like £300 every time. Plus you've got to pay the engineer to go up there. You know, plus, 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 plus. You know what I mean? So I ain't got time for the guy that wants to just go up there and, and piss around. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I think that that became quite clear to 
all of the DJs that were on the station at the time. And I think that that is why the station did what it did, because everybody had this professional attitude and everybody, you know, wanted to achieve. Do you know what I mean? And it, it wasn't it wasn't a mess about. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? If if you wanted to be in the industry, you know, you had to take it seriously. As serious as I was taking it, as the guy, you know, that was potentially up on the roof at three, four o'clock in the morning spending his money. Do you know what I mean? Brilliant. I think we're gonna wrap it up for this episode of Houseology Voices thing. It's been a pleasure, an honour. And I think we're going to have to do a couple more parts of this to flesh out the bits in between telepathy to Deja. Oh, man, there's a, there's a whole load of <laughs> stuff that I've not spoken about or touched on. But I would also like to say at this point, I'm actually really glad that we're doing this because I've been asked to do interviews many, many, many times over the years, as you can imagine, right? And for me, as I said to you before, you know, I ain't got no time for interviews. I, I'm not in this on an ego one. I'm not trying to walk around with my shoulders swinging. I ain't got no time for it. You know, I got a love of music and I want to get paid. I ain't got no time for nothing in between. But I must say that the opportunity to express what I've seen, what I've been through over the years, live, now, even if it's for my own nostalgia, is is really good. So thank you for coming. Yeah, we'll pick it up whenever. We did. Yeah.